Welcome to Sassy Esoterics. I'm Sarah Fomalar Ragsdale, a high priestess and teacher of divine feminine mysteries. And I'm Elena Garlic, a transition doula, death doula, and generally a badass witch. Every Friday, we talk to sassy, soulful teachers, thought leaders, witches, and magical manifestors. Together, we are creating a modern spiritual sisterhood, and you are invited to join the circle. Let's jump to the show. Hello, everybody, and happy Samhain to you. This is Sarah. And this is Elena. And we are doing a special Halloween slash Samhain episode to talk about witchcraft and this very special high holy holiday for people who call themselves witches or pagans. So Elena, my sister witch. How would you, there are a lot of people who ask me all the time, what is a witch really? There are people who are kind of intimidated still by that word and what it means. And I find it empowering and I know you do too. So how do you define witch? Oh, wow. Okay. So I would define a witch as anyone who is interested in knowing themselves and knowing themselves in relation to any number of things around them, including nature, symbology, the mind. Um, I tend to focus more into the psycho-emotional aspects of witchcraft. That's definitely more of my space. Um, But there are all kinds of people out there that I know that I love as witches, and they might be more interested in crystals like yourself, or in um, herbs like the green witchery or you know the flow of their home which you know a cottage witch there's a million different variations but in the end I feel like the biggest thing that they all have in common is that search of knowledge to understand themselves and to live in that authenticity and to me that's a witch you know when did you know you were a witch um, uh, God, I was probably 13 or 14 years old. Uh, and that authenticity bit kind of came through pretty strongly because I had been brought up in an evangelical Christian setting. And there were these glaring discrepancies between the way people at church acted and the way that they told me I needed to act. <laughs> And so I could not align with them. I could not go to church and feel good about it. And, you know, I'm older now and I realize that everybody struggles with what they believe should be the way things are. And then also acting and living in that way. But really, I didn't find much effort for them to do so. It was far and few between the people that lived the walk that they were talking. And so I found it pretty young because I got kind of pissed off. And so I started searching for something else that would offer me an alignment, something that felt natural. And I was encouraged when I found Wicca because it had all kinds of cycles and rhythms by which I could lay across my day or my month or my year or my season. And that just made sense to me. I've since moved away from Wicca. It was a little bit too regimented in the end for me, but as a solitary practicing witch, that's the majority of my work is based on seasons. And so Samhain has been one of my favorites for a very, very long time. Yeah, I feel like it's it's always been the holiday out of all of our holidays that everybody gets into, you know, everybody's been talking, been using the phrase season of the witch this year. I know. Yeah. Suddenly. Thank you, Donovan, for that song from years and years ago. 
maybe it's because Lana Del Rey did a cover. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I keep hearing that. And I feel like maybe people, maybe because of like Instagram, I don't know, it's becoming glamorous to call yourself a witch. I wholly agree. And I mean, I'm behind this movement, but. Me too. I think that it's um, what has opened the doors to a lot of women feeling like they can come to me and go, do you think I'm a witch? Like, yeah, absolutely you are. Yeah. So how do you define that, Sarah? I don't remember a time when I didn't know I was a witch. So, I mean, when I was a little girl, I was a little girl in the 70s. And so Bewitched was still on TV a lot. It it wasn't in production, but it was still on TV a lot. Um, even though it wasn't specifically witch, like Return to Witch Mountain. I mean, there were all of these witchy shows. And when I was a little, little kid, I wanted to do pretend. And I was always the witch, you know? <laughs> like I was like, this is it. But I also was really connected to nature you know when I was outside I was climbing trees and the way the breeze blew and you know laying on the earth and really feeling this connection to it mm-hmm. so for me a witch is someone who lives in connection to their essential um, part of nature mm-hmm. how they are a part of the world and feeling that connection it's working in concert with the world and also astrologically, you know, this universe that we live in, realizing that you are a part of it and participating in it instead of being passive. And for me, the divine is masculine and feminine. I feel that very strongly in myself and in other people. So like you, when I discovered Wicca, (laughs) like sign me up this is great and like you I wouldn't call myself Wiccan but I was trained all the way to high priestess in in Wiccan ceremony still love a lot of it it's a lot of what I do but um yeah I mean it's it's just for me every woman has at least a little witch in her and some men I've known some men who really were but I feel it in every woman yeah I, I can wholly agree with you there yeah um even the most devout Christian women that I know I'll walk into their house and I'll see like their you know their hearth is set up with these beautiful candles and like sweet like swags of evergreen over Christmas and I'm like honey you're a witch yeah. <laughs> Most women tend to turn every flat surface in their home into some kind of altar, whether they realize it or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. 100%. I was with a client earlier today talking about how we could bring crystals into her decor so that she would have the influences that she wanted Mm -hmm. in the house, but everybody else could just be like, oh, it's decorated beautifully. And it feels so nice in here. Yeah. Yeah. So those conversations are still being had. And and she doesn't call herself witch either. So she's part of that wave of women who are, are, to use the phrase woo, are attracted to the woo in some way. And talking to us, people like you and me. Yeah. And, you know, really, when it comes down to it, a witch, as ever was defined, was before it was demonized, was nothing but a wise woman who knew herself and knew the land around her or something of value that she served her community with. So it really goes hand in hand for me with the doula work that I do with the women who serves, you know, the women who serve. So it's, it, it's all just dovetailed really, really beautifully. You know, I really love this place, this name, this tag, so to speak. Wear it proud. Yeah, me too. I was 
teaching, I'm teaching basically a witchcraft 101 class right now. And we just got started. So for the first class, I put up the Webster definition of what a witch is. And it struck me the third and fourth definitions. The first one was old woman hag crone. And the fourth one was sexy and alluring young woman. You know, I mean, everything else was basically the stereotype of, you know, a malevolent was actually used. A usually female who uses malevolent forces. It's such a crack up, you know, like what dude wrote that shit? <laughs> the same people who burned us and hung us. Yeah. yeah. Who were threatened I, by that, those women who were serving. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot say that I have not met a malevolent witch, but I feel as though I've met far more malevolent non-witches. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Most witches I know, because they're aware of the connection of all things, don't want to invest in creating something they don't want to live in. No. And some of us quite literally live by something called the rule of three, which is you put it out, it comes back three times. So you tend to be nice in that case, you know, it's, you know, not everybody lives that way. Not all witches believe in that particular rule because it can be just so eclectic but overwhelmingly the idea is that if you put the good out that's what you'll get back in return absolutely I will say I think it's important because spiritual bypassing in the witch community tends to show up as love and light and you and I both believe in shadow Mm -hmm. and you you have to acknowledge what some people would call light and some people call dark I think it's just humanity (laughs) you know um but something you and I certainly practice because we've had our boundaries crossed is setting boundaries with our spiritual practice Mm -hmm. and sometimes that that has shown up with you calling me or me calling you <laughs> and saying, I need some backup on something that, that is not always love and light, you know, because yeah. somebody is, is not treating us well. I mean, and that's just the truth with almost every human interaction. I mean, we tell our children, like, if you're being picked on, find an adult, Yeah. you know, and in those, in those spaces, in those places, we are, we need help. And so we ask for it. And, you know, while managing that kind of situation, a negative situation and kicking the bully out, you know, so to speak, there's never anything that's terrible in terms of like harmful. A lot of that kind of work can simply be done by deflection, deflecting the energy away from yourself you know? Yeah. I was explaining um, to a couple of ladies who are pretty new to all of this about a month ago. We were discussing a a certain politician. Um, (laughs) Just say that. Yeah. And they were like, is there anything we could do? (laughs) You know, like, is there a spell we could do? And so I discussed with them the idea of finding someone mm-hmm. and, ex- and binding being, a, if you watched the craft, people tend to think, you know, we're like craft or, or practical magic, which is mm-hmm. that we are, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they were binding people like crazy in the craft. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, to negative effects, but the term that they used, I bind you, whoever, I bind you from harming yourself and harming others. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, well, theoretically, you can do something where you say, you know, I bind you from harming others. Mm-hmm. And then you it can bless funny. everybody around them. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if there's a contest in place. Yeah. You know. So spell work. I mean, we're discussing spell work. So people are fascinated by that and scared about that at the same time. Yeah. I define a spell as an active symbolic prayer. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. You know, um, maybe what's not so disconcerting is the idea of a little old lady with her rosary beads. Yeah. And that's just as much a spell as me having a full-fledged altar and, you know, dancing around naked in front of it. Yeah. I think about my mom who she, I've never known anyone who could find four leaf clovers like she could. Yeah. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of them in my lifetime. She could just look down and be like, there is one. So she carried them around. She'd have them in the house. She had this little pocket charm that had one embedded in it. And for her, that represented good luck good fortune witches do the same thing we look at the natural world and you know yes this represents this to me this represents that um i think i've actually talked about this on the podcast before if not on another podcast that i've been interviewed on but my dad's mother's family were all a bunch of witches and they did spells, but they didn't use that word. They yeah. would tie up some herbs in a bundle. You know, they'd just be like tied up a bundle. Yeah. Symbolic plants. And then they'd go toss it in the river. You know, if they were sick, they'd want the sickness to go away. But like mm-hmm. they were the music directors in the Presbyterian or Southern Baptist churches. <laughs> oh, right. And it's so funny because it's this Appalachia folk you know, that runs so strongly for both of us in our veins. Like it's, it's all of these symbolic little things that family would do to ward off this or to get that to go away or to draw things in. I mean, I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania Dutch country. And if you do not have your pork and sauerkraut on New Year's day, mm -mm, you're asking for it, sister. And that was something I grew up with, you know, every, every year. And then, you know, there's all of these different holidays that we have all of these different traditions around that were traditionally pagan oriented. They came from this origin of, of paganism, of one kind of magic or magical belief system or another. I mean, we call, you know, we have Samhain coming up on, you know, well, depending on who you look at, be like October 31st, all the way through November 2nd, right? This like, like this space of time, Mm -hmm. but this is now Halloween, All Hallows Eve, you know? So we've got all of these things where we naturally already do so much ritual and spell work around these times and we just assume that that's just what our culture does and that's not witchcraft well it absolutely yeah the catholic church came into cultures that recognized this time period as sacred to ancestors and remembering our ancestors because the connection between that world and this one is easier right now more prevalent but they came into these cultures and went oh okay we have to do something about this so November 1st became the Feast of All Saints. November 2nd became the Feast of All Souls. Yeah. Still recognizing what was going on there. Yeah. 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 And as part of their their work to assimilate anyone who wasn't believing that, you know, you can't really show up in a country and say, okay, well, we're in charge now and then expect them to change everything. They're still going to do what they're going to do. So the easiest thing is to start calling it something else. 
And so many of the traditions that we consider Halloween, wearing costumes, carving, depending on where you are in the world, for us, pumpkins, but gourds and other places, Mm -hmm. Um, carrying even paper, you know, paper lanterns in some places, all have their roots in paganism. You know, it was you dress not as yourself so that the spirits who were about would know it was you. Mm-hmm. You know, would would think maybe you were one of them. Yeah. 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 And these these carved gourds, you know, warding against any kind of evil. So everybody who does all of this, hello, you're engaging in pagan practice. That's right. You absolutely are. You absolutely are. Yeah. And it's not scary. You're already doing it. Yeah. You know. And much like almost any woman that comes to us and says, can I be a witch? Am I a witch? And you're like, yeah, you are, because you're asking. Yes. It's, um, you know, right now in this time period, because we're recording this just before Halloween, it's so accessible to everybody. It's okay to talk about these things right now. Mm -hmm. You know, um, (laughs) I've been turning on Netflix going, where are the good witch movies oh my god (laughs) yeah well you know I mean I really like the Sanderson sisters (laughs) of course you know what is what is Halloween without hocus pocus Um, that's right or practical magic or I know I've actually been it's just so weird I've been craving um Sabrina the the current or the more recent Sabrina yeah not, not the 1990s Sabrina <laughs> but yeah I've been craving that and that's nothing like the witchcraft that you and I are talking about mm-hmm. but it's the cool spooky it does, is does it make me still feel more like a witch yes it does <laughs> yeah it absolutely does I think we all you know reach out for renditions of ourselves in popular media you know And it's even more amusing when you are a practicing witch, but then you see how it's portrayed (laughs) in this kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's definitely interesting, but this time of year, we we have plenty of, um, of fodder for that. There's nothing that I love better than going to Michael's or another craft store at Halloween. Cause like, I'm like, this is something I'd have all year round. I do the same thing. Like I'll see signs and I'm like, give me that. Our goddaughter, who is a witch, bought something like a light up sign. She lives on the third floor of a building. Um, and it's a light up sign that says spells this way. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Towards her her apartment. So yeah, I mean it it is a beautiful, wonderful time of year for the things that that we like. It's not that we don't also have, we were discussing this before we went live. Instagram is covered in this idea of what witch is, you know, these sort of spooky and we all have these gorgeous altars, you know, that are perfectly set. But, you know, you and I both have kind of messy altars because we're actually using them. Practicing, yeah, practicing altar, practicing witch. I can make a really pretty setup on my mantle, but I'm not, that's not a working space for me, you know? Those are more like, I mean, maybe even like the word would more be like a a shrine per se, because I'm honoring something specific and like it's a thing that's laid out that I see all the time every day. I don't mess with it that much. I might change the flowers out, you know? But uh, a working, like an altar for me is a working space. That's where I am getting the things done, you know? It's where we live. Live. I do live at mine a lot. It's right next to me, basically. But it's where I'm tending my prayers. Mm-hmm. So symbols of those prayers are there, written, you know, the written prayer is there. I burn candles there all day long. Just like Catholics who go and light their candles for their prayer, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah there is a little witch in everybody just about because we're doing this kind of thing naturally so let's talk a little bit about what Samhain looks like um, for anybody who doesn't know beyond what popular culture says is Halloween and Samhain is a Celtic name for this festival it's the pre-christian name for this festival um, so and we're both of that blood lineage really yeah. so it's appropriate for us to recognize it in that way this is a feast for the dead and it is also the witch's new year it is the time when the divine masculine takes a little break from the world and goes to be transformed in the underworld to be reborn at hello December 21st <laughs> when the god is born yeah. wink wink yep so talking about shrines mm -hmm. a, a big piece of this is honoring our dead and we see this happening culturally right now because the Mexican feast of Dia de los Muertos has made its way in popular culture um, mm -hmm. we can we can discuss or not how it whether or not it's appropriate for those of us not of that bloodline to to do some of those cultural things we can skip that but the point being that um that this feast for for that culture involves them honoring their dead and going and cleaning the graves of their dead and leaving food for their dead mm -hmm. and um we do the same thing as witches. I think it's really important actually to speak to the fact that they have, like as, as the Mexican culture has their Dios de los Muertos, can't spit it out today, um, and that they are doing their thing, but that we as Caucasian women of this lineage as well from Ireland and you know a little bit of Scotland in there too, we also have something that is available to us to celebrate. And it looks fairly similar, but we are not appropriating aspects of their culture that we have something for of our own. And chances are across the board, we have something of our own that we can do yes. throughout. So it has been, you know, one of my favorite practices yearly for the last decade since I found this crew of women, there's three or four of us that get together every year for Samhain and we bake. We just bake our butts off <laughs> all day long. And there's pies and there's cakes and there's cookies. And generally I've made a roast and there's all of these different foods. And so it is a feast. Mm -hmm. And we do it all in the presence of a shrine and altar that we have made where we have placed all kinds of pictures of those that we love that have passed. And that can be family ancestors or it could be soul family ancestors, someone that has gone before us that was family of our heart, you know. So it's really been a lovely experience overall for me. But that's how I've generally practiced is just cooking a lot like a lot, a lot. And I don't know if I've ever actually asked you how you practice, Sarah. Um, I usually have two altars. Mm -hmm. So one is essentially a shrine for family um, mm -hmm. and friends who have passed. And I don't bake quite as much as you do, but I make sure they're favorite foods or yeah. flowers or mm -hmm. objects they loved that I have are there so you know like my grandmother had a serious sweet tooth and she made bread pudding a lot or fried apple pies and so even if i go buy it somewhere instead of making it myself there are all of these little things and it's meant to be something of an offering to their spirit but mm -hmm. also just recognizing you loved this and i love you and i miss you and 
this is a time where spiritually at least maybe we could once again have a feast together yeah and so even if i eat the bread pudding for you it's it's still there um and then i usually have uh, in the past i've had big rituals you know as a priestess sometimes in community i've had dozens of people in ritual together and um we've we've done things like building a wicker man which oh. represents <laughs> and there's another term that people are all oh, that's evil because there's there are horror movies about the wicker man but the wicker man basically outside of that horrible misrepresentation of it represents the god who mm -hmm. is leaving the world leave and going to the underworld for a time period and so it represents his transformation so i mean i've helped build one that was 12 feet tall and had wow. a pumpkin head <laughs> oh wow but we we tuck things into we we tuck little notes or or other things we may want him to take to be transformed in the underworld too so because it is New Year's Eve for us, um, in the old calendar, this is when the new year began, not January 1st, which is just an arbitrary date. Um, it, it is a chance to release what you want to release. So if on regular New Year's, you might try to get rid of some things and, and make your resolution, pagans are doing that on Samhain. So the other altar very often has to do with things like that. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part of Samhain every year, aside from the food, because, oh my God, the food <laughs> is like a burning ritual of some sort, you know, um, being as when we're recording this particular episode, we actually have a full moon on Samhain this year which is like double, double toil and no trouble. We're burning the trouble. But it's also a blue moon. So the second full moon in the month and it's on a Saturday night and it's the Saturday night before we get the hour back with the time change. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like the ultimate experience of Halloween. Yeah, it's, I'm so excited. I have all of my kids home. And we've got so many things <laughs> we're doing. We're bobbing for apples. We're doing all the things. It's nice. so exciting. Nice. I have a client who I'm teaching witchcraft to, like one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one. And it, you know, it's her weekend basically to, to have her education with me. And so when we were talking the other day, she sort of was like, she leaned into Zoom and she goes, can we get together on Samhain? <laughs> so my ritual one of my rituals this year is going to be with this student by zoom she's in florida mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm in south carolina but it will be as meaningful as anything else i do and i'm guiding her towards her first real celebration of, of the fullness of what this is so that is it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it totally is. She's going to be buzzing. She is. She's amazing. She's totally a witch. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it, if you came, if I were doing a public event, it's one of those events that's accessible for people who don't normally do this, who kind of want to check out what a witches do, um, because it's not so threatening. You know, we open the doors for those kind of things and explain everything you and I are explaining. So it is an educational opportunity. So I always love teaching on Samhain. Yeah. Yeah. You're such a good teacher too. Thank you. You're so talented with that. Thank you. It's, I always wanted to be a minister and I always wanted to be a professor. So if I'm not a professor, at least I'm a minister and spiritual. There you are. Yep. I have lectured, though, on women, religion, and paganism at um, College of Charleston. 
And so I got to take that off of the, <laughs> the list. <laughs> experience and I don't have to grade papers or do anything. Yeah, I think if there was anything that kept me from teaching, it was the inordinate amount of paperwork. <laughs> yeah, it's the beauty of what you and I do that we get to help people and teach people and mentor people, but we don't have to do all of that. Yeah. Even when I'm teaching courses, it's not like I'm going, okay, and turn in your homework, lady. Yeah, no, no. Mm -mm. So you're celebrating with your boys and doing yeah. things like bobbing for apples. What is their understanding and practice of this? Um, so they're, I mean, they're kids. So there's typical Halloween, I'm sure. So for them, I think really what they get most excited about is their aunties coming over and baking all of these cookies with them and all of this because like what happens is they get passed from one adult to the other and help with whatever baking process is going on you know and then when we sit down to dinner generally because there's an extra seat set at the table for you know passing spirits to welcome them in terms of like any ancestor or past you know soul connection the conversation starts to steer towards, well, what was your dad like, mama? You know, and my partner um, un unfortunately lost a brother pretty young. And, you know, we ask about him. And so they start to get this um, history of their family, of these people that aren't in their lives regularly because they're past, they've passed the veil. And there's always just a million and one questions about the altar or the shrine. Why is that there? Why is that there? Why is that there? And because like you said, we can put these pieces special to them there, you know, it's to our ancestors there, it opens up all of these stories. And so I feel like for them, they end up with this deep sense of, of connection to the people that love and have loved them and I know are helping guide them from beyond the veil and so I my hope is that part of what they take away is the energetic of that person they feel it and they know it's something good and true and then they're able to respond intuitively as they get older when they have that same energetic impression like oh I think pops is here I think or I have this feeling like somebody's comforting and then I just got this idea. I wonder, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I think that's really important, you know, that we pass on who we've, who we've learned and loved, you know, learned from and loved life with to our kids. I'm not, I'm not particularly conservative. I mean, shocker, right? Like, <laughs> but I do believe that the oral tradition of storytelling and the tradition of keeping memory alive mm -hmm. is important. You know, legacy is something I'm all about as a death doula yeah. and a witch. Yeah. And talk about ritual, you know, as you're helping people transition year round. Yeah. The energy of where we are right now with Samhain is also very similar to every deathbed I've been on. You feel yes. that you're very close to where they're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything, everything shifts. Um, and, you know, maybe not everybody would feel exactly the way we feel at the side of, you know, a deathbed. Oftentimes that's someone that you love if you're at their deathbed and it can be very hard to lose that person. But Inevitably, everyone that I have attended has been very, very close to the same feeling, like you've said here at Salin, where it's just, it's like you could reach through it if only you could see it, you know, the veil and the space between and the energy of the room. You know, maybe, maybe something that's a little bit more accessible for some people would be um, birth because it's actually very similar. Those two energies are very similar. They're just mirrors of each other. Birth is um, 
it has a pattern and a sequence that is actually, uh, it, it maintains a rhythm and death falls into dysrhythmia. So it, they're just mirrors of each other, but the underlying current is the same right. overall. For me, and being a Reiki master and Reiki is for me, the energy that makes everything, but also it's the energy we came from and the energy we're returning to. Mm when we so when we're being born we're coming from the great creative energy and then hopefully there's a sense as people are transitioning that they're moving towards that as well the most sacred thing i have ever done as a witch but it certainly was as a daughter was at my mother's deathbed and I was reading a story that she read to me, The Velveteen Rabbit, and I was reading the part about when we become real. Yeah. When she slipped. And so she was becoming real. Yeah. And then um, she died at home in hospice care. And so the hospice nurse and her sister and I washed her body. Yeah. And that that washing of her body and it Mm -hmm. was my first home yeah it was so sacred and I was so aware that my spirituality was making making that possible for me to do but also knowing you know I was I was honoring who housed my energy coming Mm -hmm. earth side and that it was my blessing to take care of the vessel that her soul had lived in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was it wasn't her. I was very aware of the fact that she and I still am that she is still that her soul, her essence is still there even though I have her ashes sitting in mm-hmm. my dining room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's in my dining room too. <laughs> Because it's this family, like we gather as family to eat and it just, and it's also really sort of the heart of my home. I go by her, you know, over and over during the day. So yeah, it's, it's how I honor her all year. But that transition, if I feel like if I hadn't been doing Samhain rituals and being very aware of the energy of of the ones who have already gone Mm -hmm. that 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 sensation of her moving out of her body would have been more traumatic for me yeah yeah there's um the finality is difficult you know and that's what i love so much about Samhain is that it underscores this idea that it's final in a physical sense, but not in an energetic sense and not in, you know, I mean, it sounds maybe cliche, but, you know, that legacy that lives on in our hearts and our minds that we remember and honor and really just rejoice in the connection that we have with this person, you know? Well, and I think it shows up in what you're doing with your boys. It keeps them real. Yeah. And and allows them to know him um, in ways that they won't be able to because he's not in the flesh now. Yeah. But it does continue. Something you and I were discussing before we went live with our mics is the concept of maybe not having ancestors that you're aware of, maybe, maybe you're adopted or maybe your, your birth family or the family that you grew up with, you have difficult um, feelings about them. Maybe the idea of honoring your ancestors, your bloodline ancestors is uncomfortable for you. So you've touched on the fact that we honor our dead overall. So our dead can be friends. Um, I was talking about how I have been feeling this year 
a tie to my soul ancestors. So not just the people attached to my blood in this lifetime, but because I have memories of other lifetimes, how were those souls showing up then? And can I honor, can I honor my loved ones beyond this, this, this incarnation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's part of what I'll be doing. And it's a little different than I've ever done. And something I've always done, but I feel like I'm going to be doing more of if I have loved ones like you who have loved ones who have passed mm-hmm. and I'm super aware of the significance like your dad, I'd yeah. love to put your dad on my altar. By all means. Yeah. I'll send you a picture. Please do. Um, and I invite people to do that. And honestly, if you're listening to this when we go live, um, send Find us on social media. I'll print everything out and put you on my altar. Absolutely. Yeah, because we're we're all connected. And so because I love you, your father is very important to me. I know from your stories that you are who you are in large part because of your dad. Yeah, for better or worse. Yes, absolutely. You know, as we're talking about this too, it strikes me that if you don't have the ability to remember previous soul connections and say you're in a really lonely space in terms of friendships and whether they're, you know, past or not, it is never a bad thing either to honor the soul of an American hero or any hero. It doesn't even have to be American. I'm saying that because RBG is going on my altar. You best believe. She's already <laughs> on mine. Yeah. <laughs> We, you know, within 45 minutes of hearing, I'd already put her there and had candles burning mm-hmm. because, you know, she, she passed on Rosh Hashanah. Yes. Was, you know, the most holy day of her spiritual tradition. Oh. You know, what a, what a time for a woman like her to pass. I mean, it's just that whole. Whew. Yeah. So for sure, um, you know, anybody historically anyone who's influenced you yeah yeah because their light and their soul has influenced you whether you knew them personally or not yeah yeah we're drawn to each other on that level and it doesn't matter if a million people are drawn to them and they're a celebrity and and all of that it's you're you are just as important yeah well I think especially because I was aware of so many women and children. God, I loved seeing the children who were reacting to RBG mm-hmm. passing. But I feel like there was this collective of the women that you and I have talked about before of this rising of women. You know, she, she became an icon. I remember when she was nominated to me at first, it was no big deal. You know, I was like, yeah, okay she's no Sandra Day O'Connor because she was the first one but then I came to know her you know her opinions literally impacted my life Mm -hmm. you know I'm legally married to my wife because she voted that that should be a thing yeah 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 and there's so many things and it's a frightening time right now because you know if you're listening to this in the future this is when um, when another woman has taken RBG's place who doesn't stand for women. So I, I think it's important that we women, I, I've been feeling very much called by the divine to get all the witches together, <laughs> you know, to, to help women connect to the magic that, that they feel because there's, there God, I'm getting like Harry Potter things. There are dark days ahead, Harry. You know? <laughs> um, but together we can work through it. And I think with intentional, symbolic prayer that that we'll be able to go forward together. Yeah, I wholly agree. Is there anything else you'd like to share about Sion? You know, I think that's pretty much the wrap up it's 
so much about the meal for me and the altar space and the conversation around around the table and then the ability to clear out, let go and start anew. Um, the one thing I want to say, I've been kind of beating the drum on this. If you've ever been called to divination, to having any kind of readings done through row or, or anything like that, this is really the time period to get it done. Absolutely. And honestly, this salad is even more juiced up for that. So if you're intrigued and you're listening to this, dive in. Absolutely. And PSA, Sarah actually does them. So just go ahead and find her at 21st Century Priestess and send her a DM. Yes, or you can find me at 21stCenturyPriestess.com and do the same thing. Thank you for the plug on that. I got your spot still pre, but as you alluded to the days after Salon, still are, are super juicy and super I feel juicy. like this window is a little bit longer it is especially with the blue full moon yeah yeah and um Mars retrograde is ending on American election day November 3rd thank the good dark goddess <laughs> <laughs> I am over this Mars retrograde shit <laughs> Me too. Let's hope a new day is dawning on that. Um, So our beloved listeners, thank you for celebrating with us. And I hope that you have a blessed Samhain and that your ancestors and loved ones of every kind bless you. Yes, bless you. Blessed be loved ones. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks again for joining us. Our theme music is River by Cumberland Honey. Follow them at Cumberland Honey PA on Instagram and Facebook. You can find them on YouTube and listen to their EP, Stand Up, on Spotify and Apple Music. If you enjoyed the show, click subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week for our next sassy conversation. Take me down to the river. Let me feel the flow of that strong moving current. Let it rock my weary soul. Take me down to the river and watch me be so free.